and welcome to the Digital Health and Wearable series. Another fantastic episode for you today. And today I'm very privileged to have uh, Eric Gerritsen, which is the Secretary General of Ministry of Health, Welfare and Sport of the Netherlands. So, uh, Eric, how are you? Well, Jao, thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I'm a little bit busy, you know, fighting uh, the coronavirus, but... Uh... Thank you for the distraction. No problem. Look, I know I don't want to mention uh, sad things, but uh, I want to give you my personal condolences for the news of passing away of your dad, which Thank I, you. I saw last week. Uh, he had a fantastic life, I, I believe. So, yes. Yeah. So I want to talk to you. You know, I've been following your great work, and the Netherlands is very up to date with all the digital health stuff. And in here, I'm trying to build like a think tank uh, global knowledge for us to learn from each other. So my first question for you, Eric, would be yeah. how, how do you describe the state of digital health in the Netherlands? Okay, well, uh, thank you uh, for this <laughs> great question. Uh, well, the main goal is uh, the right care at the right place. Uh, and this means also, of course, right data in the right format for the right person too. And uh, well, for the past five years, our ecosystem approach created a very positive climate for digital health. Uh, digital health solutions can most times be reimbursed now, can be part of contracts with healthcare insurers as integrated part of regular care, just like traditional face-to-face -face, uh, solutions. Uh, and with a thriving and open marketplace uh, for digital solutions uh, with many innovative healthcare providers willing to invest and experiment. And we show that proven, effective and working solutions are now available and ready uh, to use and actually being used. Um, and, and, and we also work on supportive measures when it comes to awareness, uh, guidance, digital skills, very important for professionals and patients. And of course, uh, implementation support because implementation is the real uh, challenge. So however, the, the current system to pay for performance is not always helpful to make a required uh, the required transformation uh, of healthcare of the healthcare organization in in practice and this is a central point of attention in years to come and also this positive climate needs uh, as you know if, if you heard me talking before on other occasions it also requires fertile ground so we invested 500 million euros in making health data flow between professionals uh, and patients from between professionals and two patients and and we're working on fundamental trust services for digital identity and authentication and and consent management and also work on other guidelines for quality and safety through frameworks for health apps wearables and other medical hard hardware and software and last but not least, uh, a new legislation that will make digital exchange of healthcare data mandatory. So it will become part of the definition of quality of care. So not everything at, at once, of course, but based on, on use cases with an actual need and impact in the lives of patients uh, and doctors. And I think 2021 will be the year of truth for digital health in the Netherlands. Um, and for the past decade or so, we've been hearing about this promise uh, of digital health as integrated part of solutions to 
many of our problems in an increase in quality of care, access to treatments, improving patient safety, reducing users administration for professionals, reducing unnecessary costs, improving efficiency and whatnot. And today the pandemic forces us to massively turn to these digital solutions. Uh, and during the pandemic, our focus has shifted to digital healthcare where appropriate and possible face-to-face -face where necessary among others, we stimulated, for example, this through extra funding mechanisms for stimulating e-health at home. And as a consequence, we had to fix some of the legal and technical gaps in our healthcare system. So what I always like to say, we, we, we didn't waste this very bad crisis. So like the lack of, for example, like, like the lack of regist registered consent preferences for COVID-19 patients, admitted to the uh, ICU. And there's now, I believe, a strong focus on providing digital support for the public health in authorities in their work to stop the spread of the virus. And in only a few weeks, the Dutch primary care providers were able to shift from face-to-face -to, -face to a digital uh, first approach using digital health solutions like remote monitoring, video consultations, and digitally delivered self-care. Uh, and a survey done by the Neville Research Institute among GP practitioners shows that three out of four general practitioners now have deployed new e-health uh, solutions. And today, 85% of the GPs are using e-consults. And this increased from an already impressive uh, 68% in 2019. And 72 of percent of the general practitioners have started using video consults to enable contact with their patients. And 64% of the GPs are first time users of this technology, again, thanks to the bad crisis. And of course, use of these telehealth services was necessary to provide alternatives to face-to-face -to -face consultations that were no longer possible during the lockdown. And interestingly, a follow-up survey notes that, that fully 90% of GPs say they want to use telehealth, keep on using telehealth solutions uh, more in the future. And some providers are already rebranding themselves and becoming digital first. And more and more professionals and professional associations are calling for, for a shift towards digital first as the default approach for healthcare delivery. And at the same time, we saw the trend for the majority to lean back to traditional organization of healthcare after the first wave. Uh, and given the shortage of professionals and other challenges, we can not afford this during and after the COVID-19 crisis. But then luckily again, there came, there came a second wave. Uh, um, uh, and again, we, 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 we were in the opportunity to not waste this bad crisis. So therefore, end of 2020, we initiated an extra speeding up of speeding up impulse for digital and hybrid organization of health and care together with all stakeholders. And end of 2021, I think scaling up of digital and hybrid organization of health and care should be and will be the norm for all hospitals, GPs and other healthcare providers. No, that's that's fantastic. Yeah, I'm you know short questions, long answers. That's a bit of my uh, that's the way I no, like. There's so much in there. It's fantastic. You mentioned the wearables, the remote monitoring, your policies. I mean, I've been following your work for quite some time. And Eric, we've met in Amsterdam 
in a Yelf Week conference back in 2016, as you know, with your previous uh, health minister, and you had a very strong agenda back then. But I do agree with you that for many years we're talking, but now the implementation is taking a different hold. And now I know that you... We stopped talking and we started walking. Yeah, yeah. And I know that you and Hugo are doing great. Your, your minister is doing great work pushing this agenda forward. And my next question, moving on, it needs so much in there. I know that you have a very strong um, approach and focus on digitization in health. And recently, you created that legal framework to exchange health data and medical data quickly to all the stakeholders benefit from it. So tell me a bit more about that, please. Okay, I will. Well, uh, as you know, we take the people-centered uh, healthcare very serious here in the Netherlands. And this also means giving people the tools to manage their own health data. Uh, and there's a law uh, since July 2020 uh, that patients have the right for, to a digital structured copy of their own um, medical uh, data. But what if you as a patient get all your data? How do you store it safely, share it with you, uh, with anybody uh, to your choice, connect it to your apps and services? And for this, we created, I think you will refer to that, to, to the MedMy Trust Framework, the Medical Me Trust Framework. Uh, and it's a, it's not more, but it's also not less than a set of rules that service providers need to follow if they want to offer data services to patients and healthcare providers. And rules like how you ensure that the data is actually about that patient or that it comes from the right doctor or that data is transported safely and no one else can see data. And MedMy is about using technology to exp expand the trust relation uh, between you and your healthcare providers. And there are now over 30 personal healthcare service providers who have been certified within the MedMy framework. And currently the number of people who are actively using MedMy certified personal health data service is still small. Uh, also, of course, the, the Corona crisis uh, led to some, uh, some, some it slowed down the, the, the implementation process a bit. Um, but on the other hand, because trust is essential, MedMy is rolled out in a controlled way. Small steps to show it works and is useful. Uh, and of, of course, as you know, if you do, if you take a lot of small steps, then you really uh, create big progress. So um, due to the pandemic, uh, the rollout has slowed down a bit, but its, it's, it's need has only increased. And several government incentives programs to enable data to be freed from the silos are now actually in place. And also here we invest over 100 million euros uh, for our meaningful use, for kind of a meaningful use like uh, program. And these programs are accelerating the use of standards for the digital uh, exchange. Fantastic, fantastic. And I've been following your also your um, great work. One last question. I mean, it's so much information. I know you're doing great work. I've been following your great work also, Eric, in the elderly care sector, you know. And can you highlight some elements of your strategy so other governments can learn and also all of us in the digital health sector can learn from it, please? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, first of all, uh, uh, a lot of what has been addressed in the earlier questions uh, also, of course, also applies for, elderly, for the elderly care sector. And as part of the right care at the right place, we take the functioning of people, their life journey, 
and integrated care in networks as a starting point uh, and uh, not where and uh, by whom care is provided. Uh, and with positive health as a relevant paradigm, uh, looking at what people and their social network uh, can do themselves and uh, supporting autonomy. Uh, and in that perspective, uh, the integration of uh, digital health solutions like wearables is an integral part of the support of health care and well-being. And uh, next to the earlier mentioned uh, <clears throat> initiatives, uh, adoption is also stimulated as part of programs like longer at home and uh, at home in a nursing home. Uh, and high-level uh, agreements with different sectors uh, and on prevention are also put into place. And a concrete example is the stimulating e-health at home funding instrument to stimulate implementation, integration and uptake of digital health solutions as part of regular care and support and try and aim that uh, to make it possible for people to stay at home longer and prevent them going to a nursery uh, uh, house. So this funding program could be scaled up very quickly, again, thanks to the COVID-19 crisis. And at the same time, the main road for adoption and scaling up of digital health solutions um, is treating them as an integral part of regular care and support and not as something special. So digital healthcare uh, is, is regular healthcare. Uh, so we, maybe we should get rid of the word digital and just, just talk about it's better care. Oh, fantastic. Integrated, integrated care. I mean, that's fantastic. Eric, one very last thing. I finish my episodes with a minute of time, if you like. So you can give a shout out, anything you wish, really. A professional achievement, personal achievement, refer anyone else, talk about anything. So to finish off and round up the interview, over to you. Yeah, well, maybe besides that I'm... Uh, I'm a very proud uh, granddaddy already four times because my twins, my two daughters, uh, um, gave me the gift of, uh, of of two grandchildren each uh, the last uh, three or four years. So in in a, in a relatively short period, and I'm only 58, I became a granddad. But that's not a personal. Uh, 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 th that's 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 a gift more more than uh, than anything that I achieved myself, other than being part of making two great uh, uh, children and who, who now uh, turn out to be great mothers. Uh, but so let me just um, focus on some practical wisdoms because the people who, who heard me talking before know that it's it's that my 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 uh, uh, hobby horse is that it's all about implementation. it's about it's about change management. Uh, and maybe uh, let me done let me finish then with two personal uh, practical wisdoms. Um, uh, first is people don't do what they hear you say, people do what they see you do. So st again, stop talking and start walking. And, 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 and if you want to really make a change, then start, whether you are a director or a professional or a patient, make, your, make first steps yourself and others will follow instead of keep talking. So people don't do what they hear you say, people do what they see you doing, very important. And another one, I think in change management, uh, healthcare is complicated. Change in transformation in healthcare is complicated. Um, so, and people who uh, are passive, passionate about a change, most of the time already have the competence of, you know, taking care of, of, of yourself and of your business. But there's, there's another, and that's important. 
um, uh, but as there's this other competence that you need to be successful in transformation in healthcare, and that is uh, ask for help. Uh, uh, and that's a, a tough one. Uh, uh, it's tough not to crack, but ask for help. It's complicated. Nobody can do this alone. Not a politician, not a director uh, in a, of, of a care organization, not a healthcare professional or, or a patient. We need each other on all levels. So um, very important, uh, still undervalued and maybe even underdeveloped competence in, 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 in making a successful transformation in healthcare possible ask for help people and be amazed about how many people are willing to help you eric eric what can i say fantastic so to round up two very powerful points do take action the others will follow and also ask for help i like that because you finish the episode in a very powerful way giving us all a bit of a push to do things right Eric, I know you are a busy individual. I feel privileged. Thank you so much for giving me some of your time. And this, this fantastic interview that our uh, followers and our viewers will benefit from it. I want to thank you all for joining. Also, subscribe to the channel. And to finish off, I wish you a happy new year. And then the COVID goes away. And before, before I finish the episode, I want to acknowledge our sponsors, our global partner, uh, Spirit uh, Digital. They're doing great work with remote monitoring. You can uh, check them out on the channel. Eric, once again, thank you so much. You're welcome.